0: Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Thursday, September 29th. I am putting the finishing touches right now on uh, something that's been a pretty big topic since last Saturday. Cornerback play. I have an in-depth video look at what I think is proper cornerback technique. And none of the video clips, I should remind you, are from last Saturday. Actually, from last year against Wake Forest by the time you're listening to this, should be up at TigerIllustrated.com so check it out. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith, and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at parham smith and Archon call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. that's p-a-r-h-a-m law.com football season is grilling season and jack oliver's pool spa and patio is south carolina's premier source for the big three weber traeger and big green egg grills blackstone griddles too i'm jack oliver Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool, Spa, and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool, Spa, and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com. And we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service, integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Celero at celerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O, commerce.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure Nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 326 3507. Okay, to our conversation, man, I remember back in 2004, my first season covering Clemson with the Charleston Post and Courier, Ty Hill being one of the first players that I got to know. He was always so personable and, and engaging back then, and it's been a thrill to uh, catch up with him more recently. Okay, here we go. Really enjoyed this conversation. Okay, joined by former Tiger, former NFL player Ty Hill. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. How you doing this morning?
0: Doing well. Doing well. Uh All right. First of all, did you watch the, <laughs> the Wake Forest game Saturday?
1: Of course I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I am dying to know <laughs> i i wish i was a fly on the wall uh during that three and a half hours inside the house of any former cornerback <laughs> i need some expertise i want to hear i want to hear uh i want to hear the play by play from you on uh on what uh did you keep did you keep the language good or or, or did you slip up some <laughs>
1: uh, well you know it was it it was definitely uh uh, uh ready <laughs> I could I, and <laughs> yeah, call it like you know to try to try to tame myself, but I will say this: I will say this. Other than previous years, I love the fact. First of all, you know my you know my history and my background for when I played at Clemson, and when I played at Clemson, I didn't have it easy. You know, I came out there day one as a starter. When I moved over from cornerback to to, uh, when I moved over from running back to cornerback, and not only that. I think I think Tommy Bowden did it on purpose to have an open practice that day. And saw saw me getting um struggling really, really bad with some really good receivers that we had at Clemson. And it was never uh a question uh, well, maybe it was because of how good the receivers were. They was like, no, Ty is just really that bad right now. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta learn. You're gonna have to learn. And I say that to say this. Um I like, I love the fact that. They're putting these guys in one-on-one situations. Uh, I love it because we are recruiting the best of the best. Give them opportunity to play against the best and be the best at their craft. And one thing that had really taught, really helped me was knowing that that camera was going to be on me, and that I had to really hone in and practice. Couldn't play around. I had to really, really get better at my technique. Get better at being a man. Man coverage position situations and understanding that you're going to have to, it's going to be some, it's going to be some bad that come with it until you learn it, but it's going to be a lot of good once you master it. And I think that was the biggest takeaway that I got. I was really, I wasn't really too hard on the corners uh, watching the game because I love the fact that they were actually in in one-on-one situations. And when you're in those one-on-one situations, it's one. It's, it was one of two things that's going to happen. You either going to get better at it, or you are going to fold. And one thing I didn't see, I didn't see him folding. Um, Wiggins, I thought you know he had a couple pass interferences, and he had a lot of a couple of touchdowns caught on him. And then I was thinking back to my time there, and I had a similar situation. <laughs> you know, um, not probably not as much, but I did have some <laughs> similar situations. You know, and any man cover corner is going to have those type situations and those type nights. And you can't really dwell on that in the game, but after the game and preparation leading up to the next week, you know, that's what you, that's what you take to practice with you. And that's what you learn. You get better at, you know, you want to see, you want to get more deep ball action. You know, you want to, I used to get a quarterback. uh, Sometimes it would be Will Proctor or it'll be Cullen Harper or it'd be, Trouble reads, you know, and I'll grab a receiver and just getting used to getting some deep balls thrown at me, you know, like because I know they was throwing at me, you know, on the other side of me. I, when I first came over the corner, you know, I had a freshman All American that was at right corner, you know, just had a phenomenal year the year before. Uh, you knew who they was throwing at, and it was going to be me. and. John Lovett, who was my D coordinator at the time, wasn't going to change the defense, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so was, I was going to be in a lot of man-covered situations, you know. And so for me, I think it's earlier in the season. What better time than to get – it's one thing to get that work in practice, but it's another thing to get that work in the game, you know, because you get that game experience of – uh, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows, and you know how, now you know how to handle it. Now you know how to be composed and and come back and keep fighting because you're gonna have to fight at corner like <laughs> like I, people always say it's, it's one of the it's the hardest position to play, you know. And they're not lying. I used to love it though. I love the challenge. You got to get up for the challenge, you know, because your attention to detail is gonna be so much so much greater in practice the next week. Because you don't want to have if, – if if you're a dog and you're playing at Clemson, you definitely – I feel like you don't want to keep having those type games and you want to make sure you're proving the naysayers wrong. And being who they are, Clemson, and the possibility of – well, first off, they're playing in a top-10 matchup on Saturday night, 7.30, prime time, ABC. You know, you got to be ready to – you got to be ready for – you got to be up for that challenge, you know. For me, I welcomed it. I loved it. I I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get out there, you know. And once you, of course, you have a little jittery, you have a little butterflies. But once you get settled into the game, once you get, you know, that first hit or get that first PPU, or you know, you really, you really seeing how you, you know, match up against your opponent. It's it's good. It's game time now, you know.
0: You mentioned your your past at Clemson and. and- we remember it. I think quite a few people listening remember it. But that was a long time ago. We're old. Um, long so, time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so we might have a we might have to specify some of this. Okay, O two, you're a running back as a freshman, right? Right. Okay, and then you mentioned O three, you're converted to corner. You mentioned how many dudes they had at receiver on the other side. You mentioned, uh, I guess, Justin Miller. Uh, was the corner opposite you. Some of the receivers on the other side, Derek Hamilton, Kevin Youngblood, Aries Curry. Who am I missing? Uh,
1: Tony Elliott. Tony, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Elliott. Tony How was I very forget? crafty. He was very, everybody had something, had something good about what they did, you know? Um, and I'm not going to take that away from Tony too. Tony was a very crafty receiver. And of course he was a big body. Um, but, those were the guys I believe I remember that were in the mix. Oh, Curtis Bayham as well. Yep. Um, but those were the guys that were in the mix and then Chancy Stucky came over the year after cuz I believe he was on he was on offense in 03. Um, but those guys all all did something well and it was kind of like blood, I mean not blood, but Ham was like a mixture between Reese and and blood and Derek, I mean Kevin Young blood, you know, cuz he had the height and he had the speed. You know, it just he was very, you know, they called him the noodle. You know, he was he was able to be limbo and he was very uh very shifty. And he all, all of them could high point the ball, all of them played played above the rim and they all had different attributes that they carried about themselves, but they all were really good receivers, you know.
0: Was the switch to to corner was that your idea or something the coaches came to you uh and, and proposed?
1: Well, it was actually my idea i thought but when i went in there that day because i went in i was like "Yo, i want to i want to try a cornerback out i want to try a cornerback out i went to coach bowden you know because i was looking at guys um i forget his name terrence newman he was a uh he was a top five pick to the uh to the cat to the dallas cowboys and he was the big 12 champion in ace in the hundred and, and the sixty and i i didn't want to give up track and i knew coach bowden was Because uh, coming into the '03 3 season, I would have been, like, second on the depth chart at running back. I was going to be behind Yusuf Kelly uh, at the time. And I knew Coach Bowden was going to be like, hey, man, you're going to probably want to bulk up if you want to be able to be in the mix to, you know, to carry the load, to you know, to, to start. Well, I wasn't really ready to give up court, um, track at the time. So I was like, I went to him, like, right after our bowl game. I believe we played in the
0: Tangerine Bowl. Yeah, Texas Tech.
1: Texas Tech. Yeah, oof. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah.
0: I won't say the score.
1: Yeah, I don't, let's not even talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, but those guys, so I went in the office and I told him, he said, you'll start day one. I was like, what? I was like, well, he's playing. He's just happy that I went over there. The other part, to the backdrop to that story also is John Lovett, who was our D coordinator at the time, he also recruited me while he was at Auburn and offered me while he was at Auburn uh, to play cornerback, so he came in. He wanted me at cornerback day one, you know. But I just had it in my mind I was a running back. But it seemed like everything started to line up at that time because I kind of knew, like, okay, this is something different. I want to try it. Um, I seen Justin Miller; he had a lot of success over there as a, as a true freshman, and I was like, well, let me let me see what this is about. And and I went over there, and the rest is history.
0: Did you go? But, to, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry.
1: But but I do think the reason, the way, the, Coach Bowden said it way too fast that I start over there. Like he said it way <laughs> too fast. <laughs> so I don't know. It might it might have been something in the background. We ain't never really talked about that either. Like was they already planning to like come? Hey man, you might want to try this cornerback out. I guess I beat them to the punch. I don't know. Thinking about it years later.
0: <laughs> so did you, was this pre-spring? Did you go through a spring uh, playing corner uh, in 03? or was uh, this?
1: Yes, I came. I went right over uh, day one of spring practice. I was at. I was at corner.
0: So it was you and Justin. Yes,
1: me, Justin. I think Torrey Francis had was just coming off an ACL injury. Um, they had some contingencies now. If I didn't, if I didn't pan out. Uh, I believe they had another kid named Brian Staley that was uh, in JUCO that they was looking to bring in. You know, uh, so if I didn't pan out, you know, they had two other guys, I believe, that they were going to uh, put in that place.
0: Another development that spring in 03 is some receivers coach whose name I'm guessing you had never heard uh, comes <laughs> in to replace, replace yeah. Rick Stock still. What were your impressions – can you remember the initial read on this Dabo Sweeney guy who had been out of coaching for two years? He hadn't even been in the business, and now he's over there on Tommy's staff. What was your read on him at first?
1: Well, first off, you know, I had loved Coach Rick Stock still because he was the one that recruited me. He was the one that I developed a real close relationship with. I remember being devastated uh, when we came in. Um, I think we was in – uh, I want to say we were in uh what you call a mat drills. Oh my God. <laughs> so we was in mat drills, and I remember him, you know, letting me know that he was leaving. And I I, you know, it devastated me, you know. Um, uh, but moving forward, when I when when Dabo came in, Dabo came in with so much energy. Um I know his players, his receivers fell in love with him. I went against him every day. Um, you kind of could see that. He was being groomed to be a head coach, or you knew it was going to be in his in his future. But he came in, man. He put in work. Um, that's why we have such a great relationship to this day. Is because, like, I remember those days. Um, he was there the, when he came over to Clemson. That's when I went to cornerback. So, and him and remember Billy Napier, who's now the Florida the head oh, yeah. coach at Florida. They made this DVD that they used to use as a recruiting tool. Of, about me, um, saying that if, if, would you believe this kid right here is a first rounder? Because it was really, it was really bad. It was very good clinic tape on their end, but it was I couldn't believe they put me out there like that, you know, because it was it was very very bad on technique uh, on my end. I was still learning the position, but he went from start to finish, you know. It's like, well, this is what you could be, you know. And um, so yeah. It was a it was it was a great, great experience. Um uh, we had very, very uh great battles uh with him, with his with his group and and our room, our DB room. Um and that really like when we went in the games, man, we wasn't even worried about who we were going up against because we were seeing the best all types of body types at practice every day. And that definitely helped me in and shake and mode of me to get me ready for the NFL. Because when I went into the NFL, it was the exact same thing. Um, they did, I was not in no zone coverage. I was in 100% man most of the time. When things didn't break, when things broke down, and we wasn't getting there with zone pressure, I remember my coach at that time, who was Jim Haslett, who his daughter actually went to Clemson as well. He was like, bump it. We're playing straight man now. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So... Me personally, I love corners that are out there. First off, paying for that, paying for that tuition, and (laughs) and 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 making sure that they are getting they they deserving that check they're getting on Sundays because that's how that's how I envision the corner. You know, I envision these guys uh, competing. Now, I don't say don't tell me. I'm not saying I don't like zone because you got to switch it up and you got to you know every every. Every possession and or every down don't call for a a man cover. I mean, you know, but being these guys, being out there, being in the mix, and and that's how you get into the game too. You get in the game by being in the game, and now your if your height, your senses are not heightened because you're not in tune into the game because you're you know you're probably out there in zone. Because that's how I feel like certain. I think that's really like how certain kids become. Uh, well, not even kids, but players, begin get, get a little you know up and down because they ain't really in tune in the game on every down. Um, I, that's one thing I do like about our defense this year is that I feel like we're playing a lot more man coverage, and they're trying to mix the coverages up. And you letting, um, Wes Goodwin, he's allowing these kids to play, and I, I love it you know.
0: Can we go back to Stockstill for a minute? Okay. It's just kind of remarkable to hear a defensive player, even even toward the guy who recruited you, saying he was devastated by the loss of a of an offensive assistant. Can you give some insight into how how he resonated with so many players every, on both sides of the ball? How much of sort of a cultural force he was, just so beloved. Oh
1: man, I don't even words can really describe it. I mean, everybody, even if he didn't recruit you, I think he you he, you loved him. You know, he was. He was so he was a he was a cool guy. He was down to earth. He can relate. You know, I for me personally, you know, I built the relationship with him um, since the day I was being recruited by Clemson. He was the one recruiting me. Now, you know how that recruiting game go. Back then, he told me I could play whatever position I wanted to play. I, we'll put you at quarterback. You know, <laughs> you know? but was, of course he was playing the recruiting game, but he didn't just care about football, he cared about you as a person and as a man and and even as even as a uh, a student, you know, and he wanted to be, make sure that, you know, he loved on you, you know. And he he, he did that to countless uh players from current, well while I was there current and people that were there in the past, you know, that were uh alumni, you know. I talked to Rod Gardner um from time to time because I see him up here. He he, he lives in my area. And I remember we talking about him, um, and he loved him. You know, there's a, a lot of guys that just, you know, he was one of the coaches that will forever be beloved by, you know, former alum that played in the era that he was, when he was there. You know, I was happy to see that they, they upset at Miami the other night.
0: I was about to <laughs> you say, know? you and Stock still have something in common now. Y'all both won at Miami.
1: You <laughs> both won at Miami, <laughs> you know. I know when he he couldn't believe I went over the cornerback though. He was like, "I can't believe he went over there." You know, because <laughs> you know I didn't he knew I didn't not want to play on that side of the ball, but at that, you know, that was when I was trying I was trying to thought I was a running back at the time, you know. But uh but now nah, was is definitely one of the guys. He got a, he was a, he was really responsible one of the big responsible for that recruiting class, our 2001 class. And I think that class was a really, really good class um it turned out to be a really a, a really good class, you know, after you' seen uh, like the likes of the guys that went on to the NFL that was actually drafted. but in the beginning of that class, you know I was probably a two star you know what I'm saying? so I'm i wasn't I wasn't really a, the name of that class, you know, but I played again I played with a lot of great a lot of great athletes. you're talking about Roscoe Crosby Aries Curry. And then, you know, we had Timir Zimmerman that was supposed to come. I wish he could have got in, because yeah. he would have been a phenomenal talent, you know, from the things he even done in his college career down at Newberry. But uh Ben Hall, um, there's so many guys, Kyle Browning, uh, David Dunham, uh, there was a lot of guys. But for my class, he was the one that was responsible for Eric Roscoe. You know, he got in with Reese. I think, I think John. I think um coach Scott was really recruiting uh Reese but you know how that go. They all they they double teamed they double teamed them on that. But it was a lot of guys, Leroy Hill, you know, Charles Bennett. It was a lot of guys, Charlie Whitehurst yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. in that class that went on to be drafted into the NFL. Um and it's it's kind of similar to like a lot of the classes that are coming through there now it's just that these guys are coming in now with with a lot more stars behind their name you know <laughs> and they uh, a lot a high, higher profile but it was a really good class and and coach stock was really really uh uh essential in putting that class together
0: do you remember how long it took you to feel comfortable at corner to to where you feel like you got it and when that moment was
1: oh man it man it took a uh, I remember that year in 2003, we we started the season uh, playing against Georgia at Clemson in the Valley when, you know, it wasn't a really good – it really wasn't a good turnout <laughs> for us yeah. on our end. And uh, they kind of hit me in that game. And then the next week, we played Furman. And then Furman was – was back then, I think he was running a little bit of that wing T, which is a little confusing to a young DB like me. So i believe they they set me the next week or two, and then i started this i finished the season uh i started the rest of the season, so it took me like it took me about a good four five about five six games in you know uh to get you know to know to, to really feel like I know what I'm doing and really start to ascend i mean it, it takes time you know regardless of like how much how much time and dedication you put in on the practice field. And you actually got to go through, you got to be in that fire, like in those games, in those moments, you know, to really start to, you know, dial in and, and home in and to understand, like, what what you're doing. So it, it's, 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 it's going it's to be tough on young DB, young corners, you know, young, even rather than corners, it, receivers as well. You know, because they got to learn how to they got to learn how to read, read coverages and and make the right uh, decisions off based on what coverages are. Same thing with safeties, you know, getting the right leverage. You know, is it certain certain people just able to pick it up a little faster than others? Um, But for me, it took it took a it took a good about four or five games to really get get comfortable in there.
0: One thing that's really surprising is I don't think there's been a a true freshman corner under Dabo. His whole tenure, who has started? I think Mackenzie Alexander was in line to start in fourteen or one of those years, maybe Mm thirteen. But then he got hurt. But Mm -hmm. it seems like conventionally, we think okay, it's really hard for these positions like offensive line. Man, it's hard to play as a true freshman offensive lineman or quarterback. You don't think corner. You just think oh. these are athletes, kind of like receiver. You know, with a receiver, you just find a way to get him the ball and go let him do work. But it's something that Wes Goodwin has said recently, sort of resonates. He says the farther you are from the line of scrimmage or away from the ball, the more lapses in technique are magnified uh, because yes. that can get to really get you torched.
1: Yes, because technique is everything on that back end. Uh, technique, route recognition, uh, formation recognition. It's just a lot that goes in, and then you talking about you got to do this now within like a, a matter of like two seconds. You know what I mean? You don't have a lot of time. Everybody's quick. It's quick. Uh, quick. No huddle, right? They just lining up and they running from side to side. You got to, you got to be. You got to do a lot of processing in a in a in a short amount of time. And when you think back on it, that makes a lot of sense because you don't see a lot of guys coming in. You, may, you can work them in. I, I think you start to see them be worked in, you know, as the season go or as games go. But um, it is kind of hard for a lot of guys. Even with the the, uh, the advancement of high school football, you know, these guys that are coming in five-star whoever you say that are really, really good, well, they're not really seeing five-star receivers every week, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and these guys that are in college, they are already polished, you know a lot of them are polished they've been there regardless of what what the stars behind them. I don't even believe in stars to be honest with you um it's all about the work um with these guys that are already there um you still gotta learn the speed of the game you still gotta learn the game and then you gotta be good with your technique and be disciplined inside each 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 play you know so it makes a lot of sense i think i think uh I think for Clemson though what what has they always try to do is try to get young kid young guys in the game um yep. so that they can use them because they recognize you know um like me I was an iron man I hated coming out of the game like I I did not come out of games when I was at Clemson I think if you can go back it, it was a long long time ago now but <laughs> I didn't come out of games until <laughs> the games were done you know like cuz that I just wanted to play, I, and I couldn't. I like to get in the rhythm, and I couldn't have my rhythm uh, interfere with. And I remember Coach Lovett. I know when um, when um, Vic, Vic Conan came in uh, when Coach Lovett left. You know, we had a little thing about that. I was just like, okay, you gotta let. I believe it was like Sergio because I remember the young kids like Sergio and uh, Sergio Gillum and uh, uh, what was his name. But a lot of the young calling, they used to get mad at me because they couldn't get in the game until I was ready to come out.
0: <laughs> didn't they call you uh didn't Conan call you his teacher's pet or something? Was that you? <laughs> Probably was.
1: <laughs> but I remember he he couldn't stand He was like, Okay, Ty, you gotta come out. I was like, No, nah, I ain't coming out right now. This is in the middle of the game, bro. Like I gotta I believe it was like in the second, third quarter. I was like, This game ain't over yet. We get in the fourth quarter, we win and then I'm I'll come out.
0: <laughs> What's well, wild is as- I mean, you've had a window since your playing days of of the revolutionary changes in offensive football. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you say, yeah, you should, you know, play man all the time, but I mean, sometimes they have to play zone with all these mobile quarterbacks. You got to keep your yes. eyes on them, and it's like there's it's yes. so complicated. I mean, I mean, in your time, it was more like I formation and conventional stuff, whereas now it's just. Wow, man, all the different personnel groupings and spreading from, from sideline to sideline and uh, the, the freakish quarterbacks. Just, yeah. And now, freakish tight ends with the kid at Georgia. Just amazing. Um, yeah. how, what do you make of, of how much offensive football has changed over the years?
1: Well, um... It definitely changed from from a schematic standpoint because they're running a lot more. They're running a lot more RPO games. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that that has changed the game since I left. Um, a lot of the formations, some formational changes, but a lot more of uh, principles have changed because now they're reading. You got you trying to get the quarterbacks now to read more, right? So, like you just said, which was a great point is you gotta pick and choose your spots of when you're doing man coverage because you if you got a mobile quarterback let's say you know let's go back to lamar jackson those days right um <laughs> he will burn you up if he if you yeah. see if you see your backs turn you know so you really gotta pick and choose those spots you know and you got to really be good with personnel groupers understanding like what what people are doing i believe when i was playing like i told somebody like when i when i left college and i thought i was a uh, a student of the game when I was in school. When I really did thought that. I really didn't think that. And then when I got to the NFL, I realized like, man, it was so much more that I didn't know that I know now. I was like, man, if I go back to college, because back then when college, it was one, two, maybe four plays per per uh per formation, per down that a team probably was running based on down and distance, you know. Now it's it's a lot more r p o it's really what you're doing and really what they're doing, like you know getting out getting matchups personnel grouping wise uh to take over you know to tell us what you're doing on defense to be honest so a lot has changed a lot has changed it's a lot more mobile guys right you you're getting more mobile guys that are that are playing i we probably would play maybe two three mobile guys a year possibly you know. Now, almost every game you got a guy that can, like you know, that can do something different. Like I think you know the craziest offense I've seen today is really truly been that that Wake Forest offense. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. I can't even believe I didn't. <laughs> I just did, I just couldn't believe that thing was actually working on us. When you're talking about our front, you know, because I've been up to a uh, a practice like when we had the alumni cookout, and I'm looking at these, this this D line. And I'm like, man, these guys are massive and big and fast and, you know, they can move. Uh, but for some reason, they were having a lot of success on just doing that, that mess, you know, pulling the ball I couldn't believe it. Um, but it's schematically like different, you know, it's a, a new day, you know, and as the game, at time go, the game go evolve. So it's going to always be different things. and. Um, but yeah, it was de- it's definitely different today, you know. But one thing else I can say is it's it's starting a lot more in these high schools because a lot of these kids are getting they're getting specialty training early, young, and they're coming in they, some of them the ones that are going to good high schools or that the ones that are taking down the co- the coaching that they're getting uh personally and, and being able to apply it to their game, which is in, which in return is helping them get on the field faster. you know so they're actually when they get to college, like they're actually developing faster you know and so that that's another thing that I've seen a big thing in you know
0: It's really interesting like thinking like over the last decade or so with offenses like you know 10, 12, 14 years ago you know the, the zone read you know where they just you know you're reading the the edge player. And figuring out whether to give or or keep that was like new and funky. When well, then Auburn yeah. starts reading like the the outside, like the cornerback, you know, like mm-hmm. and, and so if if the corner comes up, then the you just you just you just dump it over his head to the wide open receiver. And then I'm so glad you mentioned Wake because in addition to the just totally bizarre sight of of a quarterback. And a running back walking toward the line of scrimmage. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's so weird, but he's he's reading the safety like he's 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 figuring out what the safety's gonna do, and then Mm. making the decision off of that. So it's gone from like first level, you know, defensive end reads to cornerback reads to second level reads to now third level. Like the back end is being optioned off of. Uh, as a quarterback at least in Wake system decides what to do which is which is pretty wild yeah
1: it is wild i mean that is pretty wild because i just, like you said the quarterback walking into the line <laughs> holding, it, <laughs> holding it holding it holding <laughs> it and still having an opportunity to get the ball off is is to me that's a i it, it, it blows my mind every time i see it and you know of course i was i started paying a little more attention to it last year but i just i couldn't believe that you know that was a that's a thing now, you know. I I don't, I'm, I don't see nobody else in college football no. running that offense
0: like that. But <laughs> it's kind of a gimmick, but it it really works for them. Uh, it works. So, all right, I want to get your expert opinion here because I know my novice uh, conclusions from last Saturday. My dominant takeaway in watching the corners was it's very simple: turn your head around and just look at the ball. And you don't draw those penalties. Am I right?
1: Yeah, but that starts in practice because you got to be in phase, right?
0: right? They, but they, they were in phase a lot of the time, though, weren't they?
1: Yeah, but I think they were. They were really so is, when you press bailing or when you are one thing you can you can lose sight of what you're supposed to be doing. Got to remember the quarterback is throwing the ball to the receiver. He's throwing to where he's going to be, not where you're going to be. So you got to really home in to like what you're doing. So if you press bail, you got, you got to really bail, get out of there because you got, cause sometimes you can kind of get laxed in your bail. So now you're thinking the ball is coming to, coming to you, but it's actually going above your head, you know? Um, but yes, you gotta be, you gotta be in phase. You gotta, I think that's why I said earlier, um, you got to get out there, get a lot of deep balls thrown at you. You got to get a lot of, and I hope they're doing that a lot in practice because they are going to get that now, you know, like they're going to get a lot of people that's going to challenge them downfield and he should be, he should get it. But, and it's a, to me, I think that benefits us more, you know, Uh, when you know that's coming. Right. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta get your head around. You gotta get, you gotta be in position. Then you gotta play the ball, but you gotta, you gotta play the ball. You know, I think that's the, the hardest thing for some, some DBs, you know, is, playing the ball you can they lose sight of getting when to get in phase you know and and it's, it's it's easier said than done i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah you gotta know and then you gotta know where you're at on the field you know you gotta be you gotta be aware of your surroundings you know and for for our boys i just think getting a lot of deep balls thrown and i see i think i seen a comment dabble said we're going to get a lot of deep balls and well You know what you got to do in practice. Make sure they're getting a lot of deep balls thrown at them, right? Being able to play the receiver and play the ball in the air at the same time, you know, because that's really where it's done at. You know, you really judge a corner based on how he plays the ball when the ball is in the air. Like, how comfortable a cornerback is with the ball in the air being thrown at him. And you can tell based on the technique of how they play the ball, you know, and how they play in the receiver and the the position that they're in, you know, being in phase, being out of phase. But yeah, it is it's it's definitely easier said than done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I went back and uh looked at last year's Wake Forest game a couple of days ago and something really interesting um I mean, obviously Clemson controlled the line of scrimmage a lot more last year. Wake wasn't able to do that slow mesh thing. Right. But Another thing that happened, there, there were times last year, a number of times where, where Hartman did have enough time to get the ball off, <clears throat> but the corners, meaning Andrew Booth, Mario Goodrich, even Nate Wiggins, had some big-time pass breakups, and there was so much contact on each occasion, but since they turned their heads the flags were not thrown. And it seems like you can pretty much do whatever you want to do physically, contact wise, as long as you're just, as long as you're looking, looking the at ball. the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so college, like,
1: you know, you can do, you can, you can be as physical as you want to be until the ball's in the air.
0: Right. But even once
1: that ball, once that ball in the air, you got to be in phase at that point.
0: Yeah. But it just seems like so many times this past Saturday, there was lots of contact and lots of hand fighting, but also that when that's accompanied by them not look turning their heads, then it's going to draw a flag every time. Versus last year, it's like it can be a it was like a wrestling match out there when the ball was in the air. But you saw Andrew Booth turning around and 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 at least try, you know pretending to make a play on the ball. But um, interesting interesting stuff. When you watch as a as a secondary focused person, are you able to see everything you want to see on a tv broadcast because a lot of the time the safeties are out of the frame do you find yourself saying man i wish i could get a wider angle when you're trying to diagnose things and watch the game from home
1: well uh i can i can kind of could tell like based off like the formation i could tell like what 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 coverage we're in based on um whether we 2d whether we 3d i mean uh, whether we 2d one single one sing, single high um, based on the cornerback technique, I can kind of tell like what we, what, what we're in, you know? Um, it's actually, for me, I, I actually like watching it from, from home because I'm able to like stop it, Yeah, you know, and rewind and see what happened, you know, whether, you know, up, up, when you there in live, you can't really see everything because it's, you can't, you, you watching everything, you know, you got to really be focused on like the player, like Oh, or. You got to really just be watching that one position, but I like watching it at home uh, or I record it so I can go back and look at it and and see what's going on, even from a, a schematical uh, perspective of like what is they thinking like why are we doing this? You know, um, I so I like I like watching it from from the TV uh, the TV copy. Now, if I could get if I could get the game copy, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. Now I can really I can see the wide angle, I can see the side, I can see, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I really could break it down. But yeah, you can kind of tell sometimes. You know, of course, you can't really see the technique sometimes from the safety standpoint. But yeah, when I'm watching these games, I'm 100 percent really watching what we're doing on the back end. I'm looking at the formations and I'm looking at like how. How are we adjusting to the formation? What are we playing? What coverages? Are we playing man? Are we playing zone? All right. Are we playing a match zone? Like, all right, where are the holes at? You know, and then I'm looking at it, just looking at the play call.
0: If you're, and I'm not asking, I'm not trying to get you to question Wes Goodwin or anything, but I'm just curious. When you go into a game like that, you know you're missing um, Sheridan Jones, you know you're missing Malcolm Green. You know you're missing Andrew McCuba, who can also play corner in a pinch. Do you do more schematically to give more help more often to those corner, those young corners, instead of playing the safeties more up and having them more focused on that mesh? Did did you I mean he did they he did go to give him more help in the second half, but I'm just curious what you were thinking at the time like, okay, hey, we might need to give these guys a little more help with the safeties?
1: So, you know, like I said, man, you know, I, I, I was brought up. To, I was brought up the rough weight. Now, in the <laughs> beginning, you know, I was they did. They did hide, me, you know. Right. Um. But I just like I like the fact that, you know, it's supposed to be harder to throw the ball. You know, you can't make it easy for them to throw, run the ball on, you know, and if I can go into games. I probably would have put my corners out there as yeah. well. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Because like, I mean, that's the hardest, that's the easiest thing, you know. And then you you want them to grow. You want them to grow. I, I I love the fact. I love the fact that you're giving them opportunity that you believe in that they can go out here and play. Now we have yes, we were missing a lot of guys. Um, and I can you can look at it from a different perspective, but I love, I love the fact that I think we're going to get a, a much better Nate Wiggins now. Right. Because I I looked at his video uh, of his interview uh, and he, he don't want to have another game like that. Yeah. Right. But that's also, that's also like wake up the guy on, on the left side. Like, okay, Hey, we're going to get some deep balls here. Right. And, and I think, with the more versatility from our corners is really going to help the the whole defense, right? If you know, you can go play man coverage, right? And now we can just take away the run, right? Or, you know, man up, right? Or now we can, we can scheme it, right? We can play a little cover two, a little cover three, play some four, play some split coverages or what have you, wear some fire zones. And you know that, your guys on the back end are gonna, gonna hold up. I think that's gonna that's gonna provide more. Uh, that's gonna provide more coverage for for Clemson because I think in the past, we, don't get me wrong, we've had some really great players there. And I think Venable's was a great defensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong on that, but I think sometimes we kind of got caught up playing a little too much zone, and it kind of like made our corners a little lax lackadaisical mm. on the back end. Um and as a result, some we wasn't winning these one-on-one matches when we got him. Now, when we played LSU in the national championship, it comes to show, you know, Justin Jefferson and uh um what's the kid name? Um uh that went number Cincinnati yeah, for the Bengals. Like those yeah. were some exceptional guys. <laughs> like, yeah. there was some exceptional guys, but we had some guys too that were really, really good, like a Andrew Brut, who I thought uh he was really good, but very up and down at times, you know, great athlete, great athlete, you know, or even, uh, you know, it's a lot. I it's a lot of that can go on and on. Like even um D'Arian Kendrick, like, you know, he was great athlete, but sometimes goes up and down, right? Um, but if you're getting these guys now, you're getting them tuned in right now. Like, and I know you can't play a lot of men. You got, you got to really mix it up. But from these early games, that's what I've been impressed with is that, like, you're getting these kids to grow up right now. You're giving them an opportunity to compete, right? And that and in return, I think that's going to just – I think in long term it's going to really help us Uh, a uh, long term, you know, because now you're getting the best out of everybody. Because before it was putting a lot of stress on the, You put a lot of stress on the D-line, which we love our D-lines at Clemson. You know, we've always had pretty good D-lines there. But you put a lot on the linebackers and you put a lot on the safeties, right? But now we're putting it on everybody.
0: If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling of home, want to share a quick word about founders federal credit union if you've been to a sporting event in clemson you've probably heard about founders already they are the official credit union partner of the clemson tigers in addition to that all clemson faculty staff and students are eligible for membership as well as itay members matt gross is a proud clemson alum and the vice president for the clemson market for founders federal credit union matt's office is located beside the walmart neighborhood market on old greenville highway in clemson for more information go to FoundersFCU.com. when you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. I was going to switch sides, uh, look over to the offense, I guess the last time we talked last uh, spring, summer, the big mm-hmm. question everybody had was, uh, can DJ throw a forward pass? Well, it turns out he can. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think yes. about this, man?
1: Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it because we go as DJ go. Yeah. You know, and what, and if our defense, which we know what our defense is, if we got a, we got a guy that can drive the car, you know, I mean, I mean, how many touchdown passes did he throw the other day? I think he threw like five.
0: Yeah, four or five.
1: Four or five,
0: and and, and the two point conversion included. I
1: okay. guess. Yeah, threw four with three hundred yards. Four? Was it four? Something it like was, that. It
0: was three something, I think.
1: Three something. I think. Uh, I think that just bodes well for us. I think. Uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm happy for him. You know, because, I mean, I know it's not easy being the quarterback at Clemson, right? And then on top of that, being the quarterback of one of these teams and coming behind guys like Deshaun Watson and, and and Trevor Lawrence, you know, which you know you already got a ready-made team. This team is, is ready to go. And you could be, you know, the one that put us over, put us over the top. So I'm very pleased. I'm very proud uh, to see that he's been playing. He, obviously, he's been working really hard, right? He's been working. You can see he's slimmer. Like they've been, like the reports have been saying, which in return, last year he was hurt. So maybe that, that knee injury really, really, really played a big part. And I think he had like something with his hand as well. So this year he's healthy. Right. And he's, he's, uh, he's slimmer. Right. He's, he's locked in. It seems like the outside noise ain't really affect him, you know? So it looks great. It looks great. I think, um, I think, we poised for some great some great things and it's again it starts Saturday night because North on the state I know we should have we should have blood in our mouth ready to <laughs> in <slobbering laughs> to get back at these guys you know so I this is one of them games you if you, if you ain't if you ain't up for this game <laughs> I don't know I don't even know what to tell you man you gotta be ready to go you they beat you at home last year now let's now they come to our house now you know
0: It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing watching DJ just what confidence can do to a player's whole persona on the field.
1: Yes. Yes. Confidence is if you got confidence and you I'm telling you, you can do you can do whatever. But if you ain't confident, and that means confident in the play call, confident in yourself, confident in your abilities, confident that you can make these throws, being smart. When you when you know when to dig and dump, I mean, I mean it, it. It plays a a major part, a major factor in who you are and what you can do. Most definitely.
0: Tell me what Ty- I, I've
1: seen him now. I've seen him. His pocket presence is so much better this year than it was last year. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he's more confident in the offensive line, right? I don't know if it's because he's he's healthier. Either way, he looks like he looks. It's night and day compared from last year to this year.
0: I mean that two point conversion when he's on one leg, he's got the linebacker holding his other leg. He's still he's still looking downfield, like he's still looking like going through his progression, looking for an open guy and firing. Like he's not spooked like he was last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing is amazing so but i i'm I'm happy for him though I'm happy for him because you know that that puts him back like where we all thought on who we thought we had right and it does and for him it gives him the confidence right to go in to go in these games you know and not be worried about one guy like i'm he's literally like scanning the field like yeah. he's you can you can tell like he's he's paying you know he, he's, he's much more attention to detail this year than what it was last year. But again, I don't know. Maybe it was was he he was hurt last year, right? Versus him being healthy this year. And like you said, the biggest thing is the confidence, the confidence piece.
0: What is Ty Hill's daily life like right now? What are you doing? You're, you're in the Atlanta area, right? Is it Cartersville?
1: No, I'm actually in Gwinnett. I'm Gwinnett. over here in Lawrence Lawrenceville Lawrenceville. To be honest. Okay, yeah, so my daily like I don't got into uh, IT sales uh I, I picked that up over the over the summer so I've been doing a little sales work you know just getting out of the house uh my kid now my son he's in high school now so I have a lot more free time um to do things that you know I need to be doing out here
0: <laughs> so before so, that you were doing you were co- doing a lot so of coaching
1: yes i was coaching i was coaching uh his football team um but i wanted to i'm still trying to figure out do i wanna coach or do i wanna uh go a different route and as of right now i'm still it's still up in the air for me. <laughs> you know but uh but yeah, every day you know i'm actually i joined a i partnered with a company um called uh, Reach Technologies and they give me opportunity to get my salesman uh experience in. So that's what I've been doing uh for the past couple of months.
0: What does that look like? What what, what do you what do you do?
1: So uh I'm in the office uh every day from like eight o'clock and then from about nine I, I leave and then I, I'm pretty much out cold calling, uh visiting businesses uh selling products for as printers, toners, uh office furniture, office supplies, um, things of that nature. Uh, and it's been uh it's been interesting to say, you know what I mean? It's been it's been pretty it's been pretty interesting.
0: What are the, you said you're trying to figure out whether you want to get back into get into coaching. What are the pros yes. and, pros and cons of that?
1: Well, the pros and cons to it is time, right? Um, I've been really, I wanted to make sure I wanted to be around for my kids. I wanted to make sure I got them on the right track, meaning, and I didn't want to miss, I didn't want to miss anything of any of their, uh, you know, their games or, you know, uh, track meets and and things of that nature. Um, so that's what I was talking about, but I'm also trying to figure out like what level, what level of coaching would I do? You know, um, I love I love coaching the youth, um, but I don't think I'll probably be coaching the though, uh, though, though, uh, peewee ball though <laughs> <laughs> uh things of that nature. Because and the reason being for that, uh, I want to I want to be more concentrated. So maybe thinking about high school um, this year, I didn't want to coach this year because I didn't I had an opportunity to coach at my son's high school and he goes to Peachtree Ridge High. Uh, they got a new coaching staff over there. Then, w- was gonna bring me along on there, but I wanted him to be able to go without me. Um, I wanted him to to hear another voice,
0: mm.
1: you know, um, so that he can see that the things that I was telling him is the things you need to be doing, right? You know, I think I think when he, when I had I had coaching for so long that I believe sometimes you can get tone deaf, or you thinking like, yeah, because my son he's a very very. Uh, gifted athlete you know and sometimes you can just rely on that gift and relying on the work and i wanted him to see like this is what this is what football really is you know and um and if you're gonna get whatever you, you're gonna get out of it what you put into it and that that's with anything in life but um, i just you know i wanted him to make sure he's getting because i know football don't change i don't care where you play Right. It's going to, it's the same elements that's in the game is going to always be there. You got some people, some people are gifted to not, uh, uh, see some of the, 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 uh, the diversity, not diversity, but, uh, some of the, uh, the pitfalls until probably later. Right. But, and what I mean later, some, some people don't, don't experience until they get to college. Right. But it comes and, you know, you, Being able to be coachable and be coached by different people and being able to respond uh, to the coaching and being able to go and perform is something I've been trying to uh, teach my son because and not just my son, but all the kids that I've, I've coached because. You know, you're going to have different type of coaches, no matter. You're going to have some that yell a lot. You're going to have some that don't yell at all. (laughs) You got some that are just very even keel, right? But you still got to be able to respond to coaching. You still got to be able to uh, to go out and perform and just have fun, you know? And my son, he's been been afforded the opportunity to play basically JV varsity, and ninth grade, mm. he's he's great. he's got he got his first touchdown in ninth grade in on the varsity. He hasn't oh, nice. On J, he hasn't scored on JV or ninth grade yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been it's been it's been interesting being in the stands versus being on the sideline, right? So it's been it's been it's been it's been it's been unique.
0: I. Uh... I keep in fairly good contact with two of your former teammates, Charlie Whitehurst and Dustin Fry, and it's been really interesting hearing them sort of adapt to their sort of post football lives. Whereas Charlie's like, "Man, all that time I was thinking I I would just love the time off," and but he's like, he's playing golf every day, and he's like, ah, "Is this it?" <laughs> like, I'm kind of getting yeah. bored with just playing golf. And then Dustin Fry, um, you know, he saw sort of the the meat grinder of college coaching, you know, they, they got fired at Arkansas and now he's like, man, I don't know if I want anything to do with college coaching anymore. He's, he's enjoying his family up in the Hills of North Carolina and he's gone and uh, you know, just enjoying regular relationships and regular daily life. I'm curious what that transition was like for you and And how, how in post football, when, when you spent your whole life, Competing—I mean, you're defined by competition and and winning, mm-hmm. and 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 performing at the highest level. Is it hard to find something that sort of satisfies uh, that area, th- th- those juices? If that makes any sense.
1: It definitely is. It definitely is because there it's is two brought two sides of the spectrum, right? And then you try to find that median. Um, and it's like, you want to go play, you want to go play golf every day, right? <laughs> uh, do you, you want to be, do you want to be coaching? Do you want your time? So do you want all your time or do you, or do you want all your time taken away from you, Right. But you also want to find that, that competition. I think that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm all, I'm kind of like, I'm right there. Right. I done, I have, I've done been a, uh, franchisee for Golden Corral where all my time. Most of my time was taken up doing that but it wasn't my passion to be in the restaurant business right so then i was like then I'm thinking about I want to go coach but then I know I don't want to I don't want to miss the important moments in my kids lives of when you know they're competing and you know I don't want to miss those things so it's really for me it's trying to I'm still trying to find that balance because and also trying to find something that's satisfactory or or from the competition perspective you know or that get my juices going just like how when I play college football or when I play in the pros, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's you, you spend so much time and you become, you become trained in in robotic, you know what I mean? As far as, you know, you really become like, a, a, like you in the military, yep. you know what I mean? So you get kind of lost when you don't, when you have all this time, then you realize, I don't, I don't want all my time taken away. <laughs> but yeah. I definitely, I definitely want to, still has some fulfillment to where I wake up in the morning and um and and I'm ready to hit the ground running because something is motivating me to get out of bed and do something, you know? And that's what I'm still looking for, to be honest with you. So that's why I was like, well, let me try IT sales because, like, the NFL affords us uh, second career opportunities, and I ain't never got an opportunity to do what I wanted to do when I can't because when I got out of the NFL, it was more so i i did what i had to do and that that was go run my restaurants but then when i got out of doing that and i was like well now what am i going to do like what do i want to do you know and i still love the game of football um I think that's more one of the reasons why well for one i wanted to make sure i got my son off on the right track and his friends as well was going to take a village with with me but i also wanted to like find something that's fulfilling right and that was fun Doing that You know It was a lot We should have had A doggone uh, I, I tell my coaches It all the time That I coached with This past couple years I was like this last year man We should have had A doggone Netflix We, <laughs> we should have had A video <laughs> camera around With this thing You know Because it was a, a, a really really good team And I'm telling you I got a lot of kids That was on my son's team Him included I probably had um, It sounds crazy But I had probably these 14 or 15 Of those kids are probably Going to be D1 guys Goodness and uh right as of right now, eight of them got D1 scholarships Wow like and they had these guys who have going into ninth grade they haven't played the a high school down you know um and they're they're the top top kids here in Georgia. Um, we, we, we had that type of talent. We went over here and we uh set the model of like how to do things um went 46 and no never lost a game in our county. Wow. Which is the the GFL, which is considered one of the best uh, football conferences, youth football leagues in the country. And, I of course, our high school league over here is the, was is considered the best college, I mean, high school uh, football uh, in the country, 7A ball. You know, you're talking about the Grayson, you're talking about the Bufords, you're talking about uh, North Gwinnett, the North Crosses. Uh, like, these are where my kids or kind of the Collins Hills, you know, this is where, this is where we're at. And, um, so I, it was very important to me that we made sure I got, we got these kids up on the right foot going into high school. Um, and it paid off, um, for a lot of, them, cause all of them, most of them, the ones that I'm talking about are all playing as freshmen in mm. on these, on these powerhouse high school teams. Yeah. You know, um, my son included. Um, so, it's it's, it's been it's been it's been fun man it's really been fun but uh you know it's gonna be really interesting to watch him grow for these next four years you know hopefully my son will be and not only him a lot of his teammates that he had be up there be running down the (laughs) hill
0: (laughs) what what told you that that restaurant the restaurant business wasn't it what what when was it when did that moment come and what was it
1: Well, I think it was never something I wanted to do. It was always something I wanted to do uh, passive. You know, I wanted to have passive income off that. Then I realized it wasn't a a type of investment you could be passive on, right? Because it's your restaurant, it's your business, and and this thing is fluid. Things are moving. There's a lot of moving parts every day. And that just wasn't something I was really passionate about, being in every day. You know, um, and of course, I, I did it. Because I was, you know, I wanted to compete and I wanted to be good at what I was doing. But that was not just that was just not something I wanted to do. I just didn't have a passion for it. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's what led me to that. You know, and I, I i learned that pretty early on when I had to every day I'm getting in this car and i am got to run down to South Georgia. or I got to run to Alabama, you know, <laughs> to uh, to tend to these stores because I spent a lot more. I spent a lot of time in the car. Um, and if you got, I know everybody Know about a lot of
0: traffic. Oh, Lord this, have mercy. Yeah.
1: And this traffic coming back into the city is is no joke coming in from the McDonough side, coming from Macon. Uh, sometimes it would take me three hours to, just to get home, and it would take me, you know, and that's, and I'm dealing, I'm telling you, it's probably two hours in traffic, an hour and 40, hour and 30 just in traffic, two hours sometimes, you know. So that along with the, uh, You know, not having the passion to do that, you know, was really when it was like, okay, it's time to do something
0: else. Ty Hill, man, you've given me an hour of your time. Uh, I really, really appreciate it, man. Your your cornerback expertise, awesome, and everything else was too.
1: I thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: So Ty informed me that he's thinking about taking up his own podcast. I think he would do a killer job at it. Thanks to Ty for joining us first class now just as he was back in the early 2000s when both of us were (laughs) a lot younger appreciate the support of our very loyal sponsors for helping make this happen and most of all thanks to every one of you for hitting that play button every week cheers